0: Hey everyone, and welcome to the All It Takes a Goal podcast, the best place in the entire world, including all of Canada, to learn how to build new thoughts, new actions, and new results. I'm your host, John Acup, and today I'm joined by Stephen J. Anderson. Who's that? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Stephen J. Anderson is an internationally known business strategist, entrepreneur, author, and in-demand speaker. He's founded more than a dozen growing and diversifying businesses, including the Total Patient Service Institute, Keystone Dental Management, and Crown Council. That last one is where I know him from. I actually know Steven, which is so fun because when it's a friend, when it's somebody I've, I've met a couple of times, I think we have a really fun conversation. And he's part of the reason that I got to speak um, at an event and open up for Dolly Parton at the Ryman Auditorium. Have I said that a thousand times on this podcast yet? I really, I really should. I opened up for Dolly Parton, an American icon at the Ryman Auditorium. I did, it's a true thing that happened. And Steven was part of that. So this conversation is going to be a blast. But first, a quick message about the sponsor of today's episode. You've heard me say it before, goals are not easy, but they are simple. Personal goals are hard enough, but if you're leading the team, that's even harder. Good luck keeping everyone on track and focused. Did you know that 92% of people don't achieve their goals? 92% according to our University of Scranton study. That means only 8% of people actually finish what they start. The good news, there's some hope. And I'm excited to share it with you today. You've got to check out Leader. It's the first ever people development software that helps you and your team set clear goals and track progress over time. It's called Leader, L-E-A-D-R. With Leader, you can simplify goals for your team. You can add collaborators across the organization. You can include clear action items and updates throughout the week, all in one easy to use platform. Imagine what your team could accomplish if every employee was engaged and growing with clear goals and consistent development at every level. Contact Leader to set up a custom demo for your team today at leadr.com. That's leadr.com. More than 600 organizations are already using Leader to track goals and develop their teams. And use promo code ACUFF. That's A-C-U-F-F for 20% off when you book a demo at leader.com. All right, let's jump right into the interview. All right, I'm so excited to be joined today by Steve and Jay Anderson. Um, Steve, thanks for coming on the podcast today.
1: Thanks for having me, John.
0: Yeah, I think it's gonna be a lot of fun It's always fun when I know the person in real life. It's always fun in general, but when we've actually spent time with each other, um, I think that's super fun. And you and I first met at a Crown Council event um, that you booked me to speak, and I knew immediately the environment was different. What's different about a Crown Council event?
1: So the Crown Council is an affiliation of some of the top dentists in the world. Who have a common interest of creating a culture of success in their practice and in their life. So these are dentists. Typically, John, the dentist is not the most favorite place. Every people, everybody goes. I know you love your dentist because I know your I dentist. Do, but I'm weird. And uh, your dentist is one of my close personal friends. So uh, and there's a lot to a lot to love there because he does it right. But for most people, not not the favorite place they go. And so their commitment is to create the kind of culture where everybody loves to work and the kind of culture where people love to come, where patients love to come every time they have an appointment, which is if you're a dentist, that's a pretty tall order. Uh, most people say, I hate the dentist, and uh, our, our Crown Council group, their commitment is to get people to walk through the door and say, I love the dentist, I love coming here, not only for what you do, but for how you treat me. That's one of the big goals of that whole organization.
0: And you could tell immediately, so when you've got a big goal like that, changing the culture of something that has a, a bias against it what do you think is the most important thing you do? Like, is it your interactions with people? Is it, you know, the mission? Is it the setting of vision? If somebody's listening to this right now and they feel like they've got some huge goal that feels challenging, where, where should they start?
1: So it starts in, in that context. Uh, and I'll, I'll highlight a couple of things, but one of the biggest things is who you surround yourself with. Right. You become like the people you surround yourself. We we say our mascot is the eagle. Uh, Eagles are high flyers. They're you know, they're known for their majestic nature Uh, in contrast to the turkey who never leaves the ground. Very easy to shoot. Right. And so what we always say, you know, birds of a feather flock together. Right. And whatever you choose, you set the goal, you have the vision. Uh, and then by nature of attraction, which I know you've talked a lot about on your program is that, uh, when you've got the vision, then you naturally start to attract people who have that same vision or want to head in that same direction. But you got to make that decision first about what, what you are, what you propose to be as an individual or an organization and what the direction is so that then you can naturally attract the kind of people who have that same. Same vision, so that's not a newsflash. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's common, but it's sense, not easy.
0: But, not everybody does it, right? So, Steve, in your own personal life, who are those people? So, like, who are the people that are in Steve's circle in Dallas? Maybe you're in a mastermind. Like, who are you flying with?
1: So, I was introduced, uh, John, early, early on. Uh, I'll go way back, but one of my, I think the first, uh, the first person like you that I ever heard. Uh, was when I was 12 years old. And actually, I talk about this experience in my book. Favorite story in your book. It was my favorite story. So uh, in, in the Bicycle book, which I'll talk about in a minute, I talk about this, this uh, day when my dad, who ran the largest ad agency in the Western United States, came home one day and offered me a ticket to what was then called a sales rally, right? So it was the biggest speakers of the day and they'd fill up the local basketball arena and you go for three days and just listen to these guys. And it was, you know, all the greats of that day, uh, Zig Ziglar and Art Linkletter and Paul Harvey and, you know, Norman Vincent Peale was all these, all those names from, you know, from that generation. I'm 12, you know, and, and so he offers me this opportunity. Now, I You know, I'm probably quirky, whatever. Most 12 year olds probably would have said like, what? And I jumped all over it. And so I, you know, the next day I jumped on my my purple Schwinn Stingray bicycle, which is the same one that I use for my paper route. And I pedaled all over all the way over to the local university uh, basketball arena and spent three days listening to all the greats of that day and. And one of the greatest thrills, John, that I've had talk about, you know, setting the vision and the goal and surrounding yourself with the right kind of people. One of the most amazing days of my life was fast forward then about 12 years from the time I sat in that arena and I saw Zig, you know, Zig Ziglar live on stage. I had listened to all of his stuff. He was one of the first people that I ever read or listened to like that. And 12 years later, I got to speak on the same stage with him, oh, man. which was so awesome. And, you know, he he was one of the first along with my first business partner, uh, who was a guy named Walter Haley. And he and Zig were buddies. They they grew up in business together and they introduced me to the whole mastermind concept which is that Napoleon Hill talks about in Think and Grow Rich, which I consider to be required reading for anybody who wants to set a goal. It's like standard, fair. If you haven't read Think and Grow Rich, then that is like first thing on your list. It's basic education. And he, he really rolls out the whole concept of, you know, two or more minds joined together in perfect harmony with a common purpose will accomplish far more than the addition of the parts. It's not one plus one equals two. It's one plus one can be a million. And so following that um, over the years, I have sought out mastermind groups. I know you do as well. So I have actually three that I participate in on a regular basis. Uh, One of them is very industry specific uh, in an industry that we do a lot of work in, in dentistry, um, another one is another group of companies like mine. Uh, company leaders they have companies like mine in different vertical markets, so we share ideas. And then the third one is local, a group of uh, eight other CEOs that I meet with every six weeks here in Dallas. So that's probably overkill, maybe, uh, but I, we can I don't talk. <laughs> It's working. Yeah. I mean, we can talk for days about, you know, the impact of on purpose just bringing those people and we sit down and we just hash through stuff and exchange ideas and compare notes. And nobody's really telling each other what to do, but it's just sharing the experience. And then you take away from other people's experience. So, that, uh, I could give you story after story of life-changing things that have happened because of those interactions. And it takes time. I mean, it, it takes time, but it's a very valuable investment.
0: Well, and and you touched on the Bicycle book. Um, it's your new book, The Story of a Boy, His Father, A Paper Out, and 12 Secrets of Serving Others in Business and Life. And you touched on that story of going to that event. One of the things that struck me about that was that it? Didn't feel like your father put a lot of pressure on you to go, and so I know there's parents listening because I get these questions. They'll say, "Hey, I want my 13 year old to to fall in love with high performance, or you know, change their mindset." So, what did you learn from your dad about encouraging someone? A good decision, but not trying to force that on them,
1: yeah. So good. So, I, John, you would have loved my dad. Um, he, while he was you know the CEO of the largest ad agency in the country, he was had the classic administrator's profile, he was an amiable analytical. When he retired from the advertising, uh, you know, industry. His picture was on the industry magazine and it was Arthur Anderson, Mr. Nice Guy, because he was, he was just everybody's friend. I can count, John, on one hand, the times he ever told me what to do. Wow. And one of those is when I talk back to my mother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that <God>. only happened <laughs> once. <laughs> so We've all funny. had that experience. That's so um, funny. But he was a master at, asking questions. And I talk about this in the book, the, you know, our round table the, the round table is like iconic in my growing up years. Cause it was like nights at the round table and we'd sit down for dinner every night and it would be these, these seminars, but he didn't lecture. He just asked questions. He kind of led you to, you know, think about things in a different way. And, but never told me what to do and just created an environment where you know, you could be inquisitive and and kind of figure it out on your own. And the, I think that the important point here is we are all wired differently. There is no one way when you talk about kids. I mean, I've got a few of them myself yeah. um, and probably more than my share. But I, I have a few. And, and actually, one of one of my very, very first books is entitled The 13 Biggest Mistakes Parents Make. And how to avoid them. And that's based on two decades of working with teenagers in our youth program uh, called Eagle University. And we take a week and we work with high school and college students for an entire week to help them get a seven year head start on their career. And if there's anything that that experience has taught me is, yes, you know, there's truths and things you always have to plug into and everybody's wired differently differently. And it's, it's helping find the path that makes the most sense in terms of direction. So, you know, it's about the goal. And, I, and I'm going to insert this, if this is okay, John, just personal experience as a parent. You know, I think we all have goals for our kids. We want the best for them. And one of the biggest growing up moments that I have had as a parent is the day when uh, one of my older children made some decisions that were totally contrary to the goals that I had set for them. And this is not bad. It's all good. But I, this is a Nashville story real quick. Yeah. I live in Dallas, and one of my daughters who loves music um came I've in. met that daughter. Oh, yes, I? you have. Okay. You I, met did, we Abby. shared
0: the stage with Dolly Parton.
1: Yeah. So Abby, Abby Anderson. So she came into my office as a 17-year-old. And one of the goals, John, that I had set was all my kids are going through college. Sure. It's a common goal. She came in, sat down, and she said, she said, Dad, um, think and grow rich. Okay, she's 17. And I said, Yeah. She goes, you believe all that stuff? And I said, Abby you know, where's this going? You know, I do. We've talked like about a it trap. It feels like a boom. Oh, trap. Yeah. No, no, no. This is very mapped out. And I said, of course I do. And she goes, burn the boats. Yep. You remember the story? Burn the Cortez. boats. It's, it's a story. Yeah, it's a classic historical story. Cortez did it. I mean, it's generals down through history. You know, they they, they land all their troops on the shore and then they. On the enemy shore, and then they burn the boats and say, you know, there is no retreat. The only way out of this is you win or you die. You know, so it's a a whole thing about commitment. She goes, "Burn the boats." She goes, "Do you believe that?" And I go, "Abby, you know I do." Where is this going? She goes, "Dad, I am burning the boats." I go, "What does that mean?" She goes, "I am moving." This is a declaration. She goes, "I am moving to Nashville, Tennessee, and I am going to make it in the music business, and I am not going." to college because that would be a backup plan if i don't make it this is at 17 as 17 ooh this is like a tuesday do
0: you have any heads up or anything like she just throw this to you on a weekday yes <laughs>
1: and you know and so the the dad and me wanted to say what oh yes you are <laughs> you know yeah, you're, yeah,
0: exactly you know
1: and i had to sit back and i remember thinking to myself what a gift On two fronts. One, what a gift to have a 17 year old that's got that kind of vision, that kind of direction. And then on the other, what a gift as a father. At that moment, I said, you know what? She's right. That's her goal. And that's what I've always wanted for all of my kids is to have a goal, have a goal. And their goal may not be my goal. And I'm okay with that now.
0: That is a powerful parenting principle. Wow. Because I think there's a real temptation to even try to fix your challenges in your kid. Like I see that where parents don't like something about themselves and they try to overcorrect that in their kid. And because it's hard to fix yourself, but I can force my kid to change. So I just, I I love that idea.
1: It's tough sometimes, but it's, you know, those lessons that we have to learn as parents is. I I learned, I think, you you know, there's that, the Latin saying, quodici, quodusa, he who teaches, or the person who teaches is the one who learns. You learn far more trying to teach this to other people. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Let's jump back to the
0: bicycle book, because that's the most recent one. You've written a couple of books, but you talk about 12 secrets of serving others in the book. What would you say is the one people struggle with the most? If you had to say like, oh, they'd get these other 11. This is the one. it just trips
1: folks up. So, I mean, there's so many amazing just examples. The way I wrote this, John, is it's a novel. It's a biographical novel, but it's a novel. Um, but at each story, there's 12 stories that all fit together, has very actionable things of, okay, here's how you use this as an individual, as a person, in an organization, Uh, I think the one we find is the biggest struggle on the front end, but the most fun on the back end. And this is a service principle. Um, And it's couched in the story of, of early on, you know, I was building up my speed on my paper route and I got a little overconfident one day and put a little too much spin on one of the papers and it went crashing through the side window of one of my customers. And I was terrified, you know, as a 12 year old, your biggest fear is getting in trouble and, you know, so I went up and apologized and offered to pay. And the woman was really nice. It was great. And I went home and we talked about this around the dinner table. And you know, I told my dad I apologized and offered to pay and the whole deal. And he said, so you did good. I said, yeah, I, I think I handle it well. I did a good job. He said, so you did all right and just paused. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, what's in that pause? He said, You did the right thing. And I said, Yeah. He said, What if you did more than the right thing? Such a good question. I was like, I didn't even know what that meant. It's like a riddle. Yeah. And I said, More than how? What's more than the right thing? He said, Well, did you do what she expected? And I said, Yeah. I apologized, offered to pay. That's what you would reasonably expect. He said, What if you did more than she expected? I said, like, break another window. He's known. No. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What would be, are you asking me to commit vandalism? Yeah. He goes, offices? what would be more than right? So we mapped out this whole thing. He goes, here's, here's more than right. If you went back in the next few minutes, took her a handwritten apology note and not only offered to. Pay for the repair, but you yourself, you're going to make the arrangements. You're going to call Bennett's window and glass. You're going to schedule the time for them to go. You're going to pay for it. So she doesn't have to write out the check. You're going to, t- you are going to do all of the work so she doesn't have the inconvenience. And you take a plate of your mother's chocolate chip cookies to sweeten the deal. He said, now that would be more than right. And then he said, now what's the effect of that? He said, you today, You know, you've got a lot of satisfied customers, but he says, sometimes when things don't go right and you do more than right in response, then you not only have a satisfied customer, you have a loyal customer. Loyal customers are a lot different than satisfied customers.
0: (laughs) So good on so many levels.
1: Yeah. And so now, you know, the objective in a in what we call a where people mean everything business. We're all in the people business, John. I don't care what you do. I don't care They're what everywhere. your job is. You can't make it without serving other people in some way shape or form. We're all in this together. We I mean that's the that is the nature of totally. business. So he coined this phrase called where people mean everything. It was the slogan for one of the bank accounts that he had, the largest ad or largest bank in our area and he did all their advertising and he coined this phrase where people mean everything. And and so that's one of the tenets of where people mean everything businesses, is, is more than right. You know, when, it, when things don't go right, you do more than right in response. And what you get in, in return is a loyal customer, not just a satisfied customer. So once, once I grasped that, I asked him if I should go break everybody's windows. <laughs> yeah. So I could have, you said, no, no, the math probably won't work out so well. And the word of mouth probably won't be so good. That's um, but that concept is, you know, is, is then designing a whole strategy. Uh, around that.
0: So I think some of that takes time um, and paying attention. So walk us through like, and there's no such thing as an average day, but like, what time are you getting up? Like, how are you deliberate about your time? Because I love asking that question because you're right, it's so different.
1: Yeah, it's different for everybody. So um, one of the the real gifts that I got as um, as a kid that I did not View as a gift at the time was my bedroom was in the basement and we had wood floors upstairs. And so every morning when my parents would get up, the floors would squeak. And guess who else would get up? Exactly. So they were pretty consistent about getting up at about 530 every morning. So as a kid, I mean, you couldn't sleep with the floor squeaking. You just couldn't you couldn't sleep. So pretty early on, it was just getting up early it was just how we did things at our house. And that continues to this day. So I'm you have the schedule, John. Is
0: that what you're looking? I want to know? Like, are you getting
1: up at five thirty? Like I interviewed um, Scott Miller.
0: You might know he's a Salt Lake guy and he gets up at four a.m. So I, I want you to hit us with the number.
1: I'm typically a a 5 a.m. guy and with this uh, I'll just put this little footnote Um, because of the kind of work we do I do a lot in the dental industry and there is so much recent research that's coming out about sleep and how critically important it is sleep apnea is rampant rampant we see it everywhere and the detrimental effects it has on your health is critical. That's a whole other. So when you get up is not as important as how much sleep you get. You got to get the right amount of sleep. So if you're going to get up at five, you better get to bed early. So how much sleep are you getting? Uh, I I work really hard, John, to get seven to eight hours. And I say work hard because it you got And it's a whole different mode of operation. I, I can tell the difference when I get the right amount of sleep. It makes a big difference. But I have to work at it.
0: Yeah, it doesn't come naturally.
1: Uh, I'll just give you one, one quick thing. And this is another thing that I talk about um, in the book. And this is my favorite, favorite thing. Uh, I was doing my route one day and I was collecting because I had to collect from each one of my customers. And one of my customers one day not only gave me a check for the papers, but gave me a book. And that book changed my life as a kid. And it was written by William Danforth, the founder of Ralston Purina. The dog food company do a lot more than just dog food, but, um, and he had this principle. So what most people don't realize is, you know, the Purina logo, the checkerboard. Yeah. yeah, That's very, very symbolic. And what it symbolizes is the four square balanced life, physical, mental, emotional, Mm -hmm. spiritual, And so this whole book was about building a four-square balanced life and building yourself in each one of those areas. And I've never forgotten that. And so I have a routine I go through every morning that touches on each of those four areas. Uh, It's how you travel, right? The goal is critically important. You know, the the things you accomplish and how you travel matters. Um, At our house, uh, I've carried on a tradition that started when I was a kid growing up piano was mandatory. we had to play the piano. It was just was a not it was it was a non negotiable everybody played the piano. Um, we have continued that um, in our with in our family with our kids, and I never really understood why, but it's about discipline and accountability right so if you have to do something every day, you have to account for it at the end of the week to some outside person yeah. it it builds in accountability you know in that whole discipline and so um, having that, one of the things I learned is that in the Asian cultures, one of the reasons that they are so focused on having their kids play the piano or violin is because they believe that it's one of the few activities that develops the whole person. It is physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual physical in nature. Cause you got to have hand eye coordination, sure. right? It is mental cause you got to know how to do math and count. It is highly creative because it's an art and it is very spiritual because it touches music, as you know, because you're a yep. musician, touches something in you. I've carried on that whole tradition habit of just every morning in some way, shape or form doing something. I learn something. I have my spiritual time to connect with that. I work on my goals every morning. Uh, every group I speak to, John, I ask them four questions. Do you have goals? Are they written down? Do you review them every day? And do you have them with you? Or do you see them someplace, physically see them and connect with them every day? And it's about mm, 5%, maybe if I'm lucky, they can answer yeah. all four of those questions, but just gonna say, just connecting. So that's a, you know, I teach that. And so that's a big part of just connecting with that every morning to get uh, you know, to get things balanced and grounded for the day.
0: How do you capture ideas? Because you've written a number of books. There's a lot of people that want to write a book. There's less people that have done it. How do you, you know, you're out and about, you're, you're in your backyard, whatever, you have an idea. Are you a notebook guy? Are you a uh, throw it in the phone? Are you an audio text? What yeah, you
1: so good question. Um, I am a voracious note taker. Um, And everybody that works with me, they laugh at me because then, well, here comes Steve with his handy dandy little notebook. Um, But I, I picked it up from Richard Branson. So as you know, Richard Branson's, he's dyslexic and ADD and all kinds of challenges. He discovered early on that if he took notes, like he's in a meeting, as he took notes, it would help him pay attention to what's going on. And so I've gotten in the habit of doing that. And I've got Volumes of, of notes where I just write stuff down and go back. But what I've found, um, for, for me, that's how I capture stuff, but interestingly enough, for me, I'm, I learn through my ears. So when I was a kid, when I was a junior in junior and high school, my dad took me to the Johnson O'Connor Human Research Foundation. They're all over the country. They're a nonprofit, and they test aptitudes, not interests, but aptitudes what you are naturally good at. And it's an eye-opening experience. Um, I put all my kids through it. It's a great experience. And what I learned is that I scored in the 95th percentile in terms of learning with my ears. So if I hear it, it's locked in. Not so much visually, but man, if I, if I hear it, it, it stays in there. So I read, most of what I read today is I listen to it audiobook Oh yeah but then I write it down whatever the ideas are I got to write it down because <clears throat> that's the way I connect and there's a lot of science around that as you know about you know when you write stuff down the neuro pathways that creates so yeah
0: but that's interesting to me because I had a specific question about how you learn because the book is illustrated the bicycle book is illustrated I think it's really helpful when you said the round table I knew exactly what you are talking about when you told the story about riding your bike to the arena I could picture the bike in the bike rack like the banana seat. Like the idea that you were there by yourself as a 12-year-old taking notes in an arena is hilarious. Like you were the youngest person there by decades.
1: Oh yeah. Well and and, and actually Peter Arkell, who did the illustrations did an awesome job. Peter illustrates for the New Yorker and Time magazine and and he did an awesome job of of capturing some of those key, you know, those key pictures, Yeah, you know, they were essential to the story and where all those lessons were learned.
0: It was, it was really helpful. Um, I thought that was a, a nice addition to the book. I'm curious, you you can tell you're a reader. Um, you you and I are both, this isn't a visual podcast that we won't, the video won't be shown, but we're both standing in front of massive shelves of books. Oh yes. And, um, but if you, yeah, and yours goes on and on. Yeah, you could angle it wall to wall. I love it. If you had to say, these are my Mount Rushmore books. These are the four books. And you've already touched on a couple. Um, but what what four books, if somebody listening said, wow, Steve's got a really perspective on goals and life and performance. I wonder if, what his Mount Rushmore would be. What would you put on there?
1: Mm, so good. Uh, and I'll just share one, just one quick. Um, backdrop to that, you know, Ben Carson, um, who ran for president, Ben has an amazing story, you know, raised by a single mother and, um, and his mother came home to him one day and said, you know, and all she was, she cleaned houses and she goes, I, one thing I've noticed with all the very successful people that I work for, they all had books, they all have books. books are everywhere, books on the they have bookshelves. Everywhere. So she, there must be a reason why. There must be some correlation between their success and their learning. Hmm. So she said, we're turning off the television. You are budgeted, you know, I think one or two hours a week. And the rest of the time, you and your brother go into the library and you're going to check out a book and you owe me a couple of book reports a week. Wow. And he attributes that that one thing to really launching his his whole career. So I love reading. Um, So here would be some of my tops. I've already I've already mentioned Think and Grow Rich. And these would be more business-oriented or self-improvement-oriented stuff. Um, one of my favorites is Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. It's a classic. Um, and it's just, it's just such a powerful message, a simple but, but really, really powerful message. I had an experience, uh, John, one of the things that I did my last year of college was I went around and interviewed over 60 different people that were doing things that I thought I wanted to do because I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. So 60 different people, very, very successful. Uh, and this is a process that we actually teach it at our U seminar at Eagle U. But one of those 60 changed my life. And all of them did. But this one in particular was Stephen Covey. He was one of the 60.
0: So he took an interview?
1: He did. And, wow. and this, so we met over a bowl of chili at the airport. He just said, if, if you want to meet me at the airport, I got to wait for my flight and I'll, I'll, I'll answer any question you want. Now, this, this was before Stephen Covey was Stephen Covey. Before Seven Habits. When we sat down together, um, it was just about to be published. So nobody knew who this guy was. You caught him before the rocket ride. And, and it was because he was a family friend. Um, I had heard about him. He, he was a professor. He taught, you know, he taught college. And um, and so, you know, he had he and my dad were good friends and I knew all about him. And and so we sat down over this bowl of chili. And and so Seven Habits is is one of my favorite books because of what he taught me over that bowl of chili.
0: I feel like you buried the lead. This is that's the opening minute story. Right.
1: And so he he was the one who really I mean, in that short visit we had, he just hammered home to me the value and the importance of purpose.
0: That was the word he landed on.
1: Yeah, it was like, you got to figure out what it is you're all about and what you're trying to accomplish. And he goes, we're going to come out with a book that's going to change the world. He goes, my mission with this book is to save the world. Now, not in a religious sense, but he said, there are so many key things the world needs to go, and we are going to save corporate America. We're going to save businesses. (laughs) That was, and then he sold like 30 million or something. Crazy, crazy number of crazy number of books.
0: Now, so Steve, I want to pause on that for a second. I think it's important if somebody's young listening to this podcast to know when you're young, you're in an amazing position to do things like that. When an 18-year-old or a 20-year-old, a 21-year-old goes, hey. I have a question, and you're deliberate, and there's a well-written email or letter. People that are in their 40s, 50s, and 60s go, wow, I'd love to answer that. Would you you agree with
1: that? 100%. In fact, my favorite four words, John, here's a takeaway. Mm -hmm. These are the four most powerful words I know for anybody, but especially a young person at that age, they are, I need your help. (laughs) Yeah. Totally, especially at that age. Yeah. Most people cannot resist the request for help from somebody who is inquisitive, who is eager, trying to learn and trying to make their way. Everybody remembers what it was like to be a student, yeah. what it was like to try and figure all this stuff out. So when somebody says, I need your help, would you answer a couple of questions it's like, yes. Uh, I, in this, this whole process I went through with the 60 mentors, one of them that I sat down with, who since passed away, uh, was, was iconic in our family. Uh, he was in three different presidential administrations and had run then subsequently five different publicly traded companies. He literally, John, lived on Rodeo Drive in Beverly Hills. Is that where you met him? Absolutely. So I found the way in, got the introduction. He agreed to take the meeting and he said, 15 minutes, that's it. That's all I got. Went over to his house. We sat down. And by the time he walked me back out to my car, he walked me out to the car. We had been there for over two hours. So good. It wasn't because I I wouldn't leave. He wouldn't let me leave. Because it was one of the first times that somebody had sat down and was genuinely interested in him and what he had done and his success. And taking notes. Oh. He started pulling out the scrapbooks and he said, no, this is when I worked with the president and here's John F. Kennedy. And, you know, he's telling me his whole life story. And then before he got done, John, he started picking up the phone and calling people and telling them, I got this young man you need to meet and he's looking for a career. And it was it was amazing. He started networking. Oh, for you. yeah, it was great. And I, that was repeated over and over again. So the value of just being interested, not being interested. That's that Peter Drucker. yeah. Just no. be interested and, and want to learn about other people, especially when you're young. Absolutely.
0: Okay, last two books. Because I know if I, if I ask four book question and I only get two, you've already given a bunch, but-
1: Yeah, well, I've, I've, let's see. I think I've given you three, right? Thinking you yeah. are Rich, Man's Search so we'll last, for Meaning. We'll last one book. Yeah. And, uh, and Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Um, the other one that I go back to over and over again, it's classic is As a Man Thinketh. Sure. And I mean, it's classic. It's been around for, what, over 100 years? Um, but, it, but it is timeless in that principle that thoughts are things and what you think matters.
0: Is that James Allen?
1: It is James Allen. Okay. Uh, the, other, the other one that's my favorite along those lines is the one, uh, Acres of Diamonds, that Earl Nightingale made famous. I haven't read that one. So Acres of Diamonds is, I mean, it's a classic story. And it is, it's it basically the message is grow where you're planted. Don't be looking for, you know, somewhere over the rainbow. It's better. You know, we all, we all look and say, somebody's got it better and I need to go over there. Or I need to change industries or I need to, right. There's always something better out there. And the whole message of that, of that story is there are, and it's, it is a true story, but there's literally acres of diamonds under your feet. If you'll just stop and take advantage of all of the things that you've got.
0: That you've already got. All right. Two last questions. Um, second to last one. What are your hobbies? You could listen to this interview and be like, Steve really only sleeps four minutes a day. The other, the other hours he's reading and doing important stuff. Like, what are your hobbies?
1: Okay. So, uh, true confession time. John, I love speed. Um, not the drug. Yeah, yeah, that'd that would be weird. That would take a dark twist at the end of this podcast. I had a mentor of mine that called me years ago, and uh, he got me into motorcycle riding. And so one of my favorite things is my, my uh, 110 cubic inch convertible CVO Harley-Davidson Screaming Eagle motorcycle that's out in the garage. And it I- is wicked fast. That's it's great. like riding a rocket. And uh, we've turned that actually into a charitable endeavor. So we do charity motorcycle rides to raise money for our foundation, Uh, and it's been a blast. Some of my some of my most enduring friendships have started on on the motorcycles. So I love speed on the ground. I love speed on the water. Uh So I am two minutes away from Lake Grapevine in Dallas. So if you're ever flying to Dallas, DFW Airport, you will fly over my lake. Well, it's not my lake, but I claim it. Uh, so I love to wakeboard, water ski, uh, wake surf, uh, all that stuff. And I love to collect companies, John. So I love to find organizations that do things very, very well. And kind of unpack it and figure it out, and then find the application in in other places. And that's what we share with other people in uh, in a lot of our businesses. So
0: that was a perfect that was a perfect answer. That was a good and it was a good variety. Last question. It's an easy one. Where can people find you? Where can they they go? I want to know. I want to check out the bicycle book. Um, I want to follow you on social media accounts. Give us all the stuff.
1: Probably the easiest place to go is uh, my personal website, which is Stephen J. Anderson. So Stephen with a V, middle initial J, and uh, Anderson with an O-N. So stephenjanderson.com. Um, all the books are there. The Bicycle book uh, is there with links to every format, hardback, paperback, audio, digital. Uh, in fact, I will tell you this, John, the, one of the most fun things I have ever done is record this book. It has eighteen different characters. I got coaching in Hollywood to do this, and I do all eighteen. Oh
0: no way, dude! I there's no way. I don't. I do my own voice poorly. Like I hear my voice, I'm like, boy, he doesn't even do a
1: good John Acuff. This guy. That's. It was an amazing experience, um, and we had a blast doing it. And and it's actually my favorite version of the book. What's a performance? I mean, gosh. it was a performance. Yeah. And I got some amazing coaching uh, by the same guy who actually coached Bradley Cooper for six months to get him teed up to do a star wow. is born. Um, That's awesome. It got some great. So it, it may not be an Academy Award performance. Well, let's see. I mean,
0: positive attitude. I don't know if they have a category for self-help books. They
1: actually, they do. There's there's actually a uh, there's a Grammy for audiobook. Oh, I've seen that, but
0: I'm looking for an Oscar. No, no offense. I'm trying to get to the Oscars. I, I'm gonna start with the Dove Awards, work my way up to Oscar.
1: So if if you like uh, if you like listening to books, I highly recommend the uh, the Audible version. It was a blast to do. I even I even do my grandmother's voice. Uh, my mom's voice, my dad's voice. I got to do all of them. Wow, what a neat experience. stevenjanderson.com. And it's a great read for, in fact, I had uh, the pre-release version. John, I had a 12-year-old that sent me her picture the other day reading it as a 12-year-old. Because wow, it's this is through the 12-year-old. But it's great for... You know, individuals. It's a great family read, um, and it's we wrote it with groups in mind. That everybody gets a copy. You read it. You do the activities. You do the exercises to to implement the twelve secrets of what we say serving others in business and life.
0: Well, I, I can attest um, that Steve lives with excellence because I've been around his team and I've been part of their events, and they're amazing. And I get to do one with you in January. I get to see you in Salt Lake. Coming up. Coming up in January. Um, I can't wait. Love your family, friends with your brother. So this has been such a fun pleasure for me, Steve. Um, You serve the audience in so many different unexpected ways um, and such good stories. So you could tell we could have talked for hours. He said that at the beginning before we got on the air, he was like, all right, dude, you know, we're gonna get going. Um, So, Steve, thank you so much for joining us. Um, And I'll tell everybody I know about the book.
1: You're the best. Thanks, John. All right. See you soon, buddy. All right. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you so much for listening to my interview today with Stephen J. Anderson. We'll put all the links in the show notes as always. And thank you for reviewing my podcast. We're over a thousand reviews on iTunes. I don't know where you listen. But on iTunes, we're over a thousand. That was kind of a little goal. So thank you for helping me and the team hit a goal on a podcast about goals. It's kind of an inception moment. Thank you for making that possible. Keep the reviews coming. Please make sure you subscribe or follow or whatever it is that the kids are saying these days. Don't forget, visit www.leader.com to set up a custom demo for your team today and discover why more than 600 organizations are already using Leader to track goals and develop their teams. Use promo code ACUF to take 20% off. See you next week. And remember, all it takes is a goal.
1: Thanks for listening. To learn more about the All It Takes is a Goal podcast and to get access to today's show notes and exclusive content from John Acuff, visit acuff.me podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the All It Takes is a Goal podcast.